Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Series of who's to blame. You know, as, as Brother Allen said, and as the, the guy on the video said, you know, we're all looking for someone to blame. It doesn't matter what we find ourselves. We look at accidents. We look at our situations. When we, everything starts running aground today, and I'm going to talk about that some more, but when we start, everything starts running aground, we look for someone else to blame. And that, is, that comes all the way back from, from Adam and Eve. And they started that road, and as, as we follow in that same suit and as, 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 our, as, as followers from them. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12 the Bible, if you'll turn with me there today, the Bible, Brother Allen, I think, has already actually read part of this scripture, read this scripture, but the Bible says in verse 12, it says, And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And so today, if you will, join me in, in prayer today. I'm going to pray over this word today and this, this, this lesson, Lord. I ask us to, to touch this today. Lord, let us join me in prayer right now, Lord. I ask you to touch us today. Lord, I ask you to anoint this congregation, Lord Jesus. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to allow us to feel your presence today. Lord, I ask you today, Lord Jesus, to allow me to be anointed today, Lord Jesus. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to not allow just to be words that's spoken. Or, Lord Jesus, lessons taught, Lord Jesus. But I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to move through, through this mic, Lord Jesus, and go into this congregation, Lord Jesus, and allow this word to be a seed planted in our lives, Lord. Lord, I ask you to move upon us today, Lord Jesus, and allow us to change our way of thinking and our way of doing things in life, Lord Jesus. I ask you to move on us today and this day, Lord. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today, if you will, if there, I'm gonna share a story of that Robert Peterson actually wrote in a book. It is a true story. Actually, there was movies made about it, about a, la a girl named Liz. Having been raised by hippie parents in a drug-infected environment, the possibility of obtaining success in life was minimal at best. Liz, however, beat the odds. While, her, while the, her, their kids starved, talking about Liz's parents, they, they spent their, their welfare checks on cocaine and heroin. When cupboards were empty, the girls sucked on ice cubes. One night, they divided a tube of toothpaste for dinner. Liz remembered her mother stealing money from one of her birthday gifts and selling the television set and even selling the Thanksgiving turkey to buy a hit of cocaine. She recalls going to school lice-ridden, scuffy, and smelly. When the other kids began to bully her, she dropped out of school. While her parents slept away their days in a drug-induced stupor, she was a wild child on the streets of New York City. Her mother often said, one day life is going to be better. But Liz can't remember how many days that she nursed her mother in that lice-infested place, run-down house, back to, to, to reality. She does remember the day that her mom told her that she had tested HIV-positive 
and had AIDS. Soon after her, that, her mom died and was buried in a donated wooden box. When her dad couldn't pay the rent, he moved into a homeless shelter. That put Liz and her sister on the streets of New York City. She fed herself by shoplifting food. She also stole books about self-help and sparked dreams into her life. And she remembered how often that her mother would say, one day I will fix my life. So one day she decided to fix her own. And she fixed it, and that's what she did. So many times in life, you know, we go through the story of, of Liz's life, and then there's actually been movies written about, made about this, her, her life story. And the, the title of the movie that was written about, about her was From the Homeless to Harvard. And Liz went on back to, at 17 years old, Liz went back to school. And in two years, she graduated from high school with straight A's. At that point, she got a scholarship to Harvard University. And at Harvard University, she graduated at the top of her class and became a lawyer. And, and in that, her life, the, the story in her life was she come from homeless and went to Harvard. As she went, walked the streets of this, this, this highfalutin school, you know, this big school in the, in the country, you know, everybody, the, the best of the, the, the rich of the rich goes there. Here she walked these streets as a homeless child. That had grew up a homeless child that didn't have the clothes as everybody else had. But she walked these streets. She didn't allow that to affect her life. And she went on to make something out of herself. The majority, the, the majority given like circumstances, do not rise above the challenge. Most allow such family dynamics to limit their potential. However, that although this is often the case, it does not have to be this way. It don't have to be this way in life. You don't have to allow your circumstances, wherever you come up, wherever you grew up, you don't have to allow them circumstances to rule your rest of your life. Regardless of the challenge we might encounter with our family dynamics, we can arise above it. We can be all that God wants us to be. To reach our full potential, we must cease the blaming our family. We consider the story that I read that started reading in the text about Adam and Eve. This story is a messed up and a major blunder, but it yet is a story of hope. We can identify with the precise moment when everything fell apart. Until that fateful instant, everything was perfect. It was paradise in every way. Every, every, you know, the Garden of Eden was just, you couldn't ask for no better. The garden was created by God. The Bible says it was consisted of every tree that was pleasant to the sight. And it also was every tree that was pleasant for good food. This is a land where the first man and the first woman lived. A paradise unlike anything humanity has ever experienced. Without thorns and thistles, without storms and destructions of any kind. Could you imagine if you grow a garden Today, it don't take very long for weeds to start growing. Could you imagine living in a place where you, all you had to do was plant the seed and the, the corn grew and it didn't have, you didn't have to worry about watering it. You didn't have to worry about the drought. You didn't have to worry about storms of winds coming by and blowing the stuff down. It didn't matter what happened. It was just everything was perfect. Could we imagine a place like that? It, and indeed, it was paradise. It, but it all ended, however, that fateful day. Paradise... That perfect place with the perfect man and the perfect woman with the perfect job and the perfect environment 
it would be no more. God, the creator of the garden, had specified that there should not eat of this one particular tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I know I'm telling you, I'm maybe teaching, you think am I teaching a uh, elementary Sunday school teaching class today. We're talking about Adam and Eve, but this message goes stronger than that. It goes further than that today. This message hits us where we all live. All of our trees, all of the trees they could eat of freely as they desired, except for this one tree. The story of the fall of humanity, we all know it. We've all learned it. We've all knew this story. But Eve ate of the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then she gave some fruit to Adam, who also did eat. Consequently, Adam and Eve were banished from living in the garden. In contrast to a life of tranquility, living outside of the paradise proved to be quite harsh. Could you imagine just leaving this place, this perfect place, this place that was just, you didn't have to ask for anything. Anything didn't go wrong. You didn't have a bad day. Your job was perfect. Your, 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 your surroundings was perfect, and you lived in a paradise. You know, today we go to the, to the, to the paradise, what we call paradise, and sometimes in, to vacation places. But most of these vacation places, there's storms and there's trials and there's things that comes against us. And so it's not as perfect as the Garden of Eden. There's nothing we can compare to how perfect this place was. But at that moment, they were banished from that garden. In contrast to living in tranquility, it was living in, in, a, in a harsh environment, such as the result, it was a result from Adam and Eve's sin. But that is not at all. That's not at all. As tragic as it was for Adam and Eve, it is all humanity was negatively impacted. By one man, as, as, as Romans 5 and 12 says, by one man, Paul wrote in Romans, sin entered into this world and by Death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So when that sin entered in, Adam and Eve entered into that sin, we all paid that price. We all felt that price. Hence, thousands of years later, humanity bears the marks of Adam and Eve's decision to partake in that forbidding fruit. You know, we look at life and we look at things in life. We look at our own life. And so many times in life we feel like, my decision is just going to affect me. But I've talked to him many times, me and my wife has had this discussion many times. Every decision I make, even how private or how insignificant it may feel, it affects someone else. When I make a decision, there's ripple effects that change, goes through our children, goes through generations to follow. It doesn't matter how far, we don't have no other way of knowing how far that ripple effect affects. When we make a bad decision, so it is important, and I know this is not even in the lesson today, but it is important that we make right decisions. Because when we make a decision, we say it may feel like it's just affecting us, but there's generations, generations and after generations will be affected by the decisions I make today. The fateful moment when that first man and that first woman ate of that tree, it affected every one of us sitting here today's life. We must be careful, however, not to do as Adam and Eve did. To follow suit would be a lesson of our chances of breaking free, of obtaining fulfillment of God's plan and the purpose of his life. Not only must we strive to live a life of obedience, 
but we must refrain from doing what Adam and Eve did next. After they eat, had eaten of the fruit of the tree, he asked them, Hast thou eating of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee not to eat of. And Adam replied, That woman, here he says, That woman who thou gavest to me, she gave me the of the tree, and I did eat. So the Lord then turned to Eve, and he said, What is this that thou hast done? And she said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Adam and Eve did not lie to God. They, did, they didn't say that they didn't eat of the fruit. Sometimes we, we, we find ourselves, well, <laughs> I didn't do that. But no, they didn't do that. They, they, they admitted to eating the fruit, but they, did, they passed the responsibility. They failed to take the responsibility for eating. Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent. Amusingly, not only did Adam blame Eve, but he also indirectly blamed God. Adam reminded God, he said, that that one that who you gave to me, that woman that you gave to me, she's the one. She's the one that made me sin. Adam and Eve blamed each other, offering us a lesson on what we should not do. Both Adam and Eve sought to blame someone else, and they wanted to be the victims of someone else's wrongdoings as opposed to accepting the responsibility for their own actions. So many times in life we find ourselves doing just that. We find ourselves blaming to blame someone else and pass that, pass that book to someone else. Pass that blame on somebody that I, I didn't do wrong. Someone else made me do that. At the root, deflecting the responsibility was a blatant attempt to ignore their need to acknowledge their disobedience to God. What they were doing is, is they was they was they was blatantly attempting to ignore their need that they had even sinned. They they was ignoring the part that you know, hey, I did wrong. They were ignoring that. Blaming is has been said to be the fine art of making others responsible for all the difficult things that that happens in our life. Indeed, it appears humanity has refined what Adam and Eve started. In the garden, they have refined that and made that even possible. Not only have we we are not only are we good at deflecting responsibility by blaming others, but our society offers support for it. There's groups and there's doctors with big letters after their name that are that are making them rich, helping you blame someone else for your problems. Doesn't matter what you've done in life, they'll they'll find someone else you can blame for that. Doesn't matter what happens in your life, there's people in this world, this society that that it's, it's someone else's fault. It doesn't matter what happens in your life today. It doesn't matter what what happens wrong goes wrong in your life. There's people in your life says it's someone else's fault. We blame others because we live in an environment where it's accepted. Every every day you look at the TV comes on. We're, we're looking for someone to, to sue someone and we're looking for someone to to, to to somebody that's done you wrong and let's blame it on someone else. And there's life. And I understand there's lawyers and there's things that are the right things, but but there's times when things has been done wrong. But in life, you know, we're, we're trying to find someone else to blame for every mishap in our life. 
Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent. But today, who, have, who are you blaming in your life? Who are you blaming today? That, that blank space could be for different places in people's lives. Every one of us probably could not throw a name in there because we've all blamed someone. We've always blamed someone for some reason why we're not where we should be in life or where we're not where this or that in life. We, we find a reason we can blame someone. Adam and Eve's decision to partake of that which was forbidden impacted their lives in a major way, but it also had an enormous impact on the lives of their children. Instead of growing up in paradise, Adam and Eve's children grew up in a harsh environment. Instead of harmony, life was filled with fragmentations in life. So is it today. We grew up in a world that, that is harsh against us. There's, there's, there's wrong everywhere we turn. There's things in life, you know, we don't, we don't grow up in the paradise that Adam and Eve started out in. We don't have that ability. We, we, we grew up just like Adam and Eve's kids. We grew up in a harsh environment. In many ways, we have all been impacted by, by our families. Negatively, negative generational patterns, cycles of destruction of behavior, and ways of thinking are passed from one generation to another. Moms and dads are affected by what their moms and dads did. Then those moms and dads negatively affect the next generation. And it goes on and on and on. But it does not have to be that way. We do not have to inherit sinful addictions. We do not learn them. We learn them. We don't inherit them. We allow them to enter into our life. We don't, we're not a, we don't inherit sinful nature. There's something that we, we, we make a choice. We take a choice and we allow that to affect our lives. We must choose to live a righteous life for ourselves. No one can make that choice for us. Someone may can choose when we're young, may choose what we wear today, wear, wear as children they may choose what house we live in as we grow up, but they cannot choose for us a righteous life. We have to make that choice for ourselves. We have to, we have to make that choice to do right or to do wrong. There is no one can make that choice for us. Generations' patterns can be broken. For this to happen, we must first cease the blame game. We must stop blaming our mother, and we must stop blaming our father for why we're not being the Christian we need to be. We must stop blaming our grandparents or our grandfather or our grandmother. We must stop blaming our spouse. We need to stop blaming our children. We're not where we're at. You know, so many times in life we find people, and as Brother Allen said, I believe because we blame our family because they're close to us. We share things with them. We don't share with anybody else. So it's easier to, sh to blame them the blame game does not help us move forward it, and to break this negative pattern. It does not help us move beyond repeating what the previous generation did. The blame, the blame game is counterproductive to what God wants us to do in our lives. Why are we so quick to blame someone else? That's a question we, may, we need to ask. When we, when we, right before we, we blame someone for someone, something else in our life, why are we so quick to blame them? Why do we not accept the responsibility of our own failures. Why are we so quick to pass that book? Why are we so quick to say it's someone else's fault? Today I want to talk about a few reasons why we're so quick to play the blame game. First, 
blaming others is easy. That's the easy way out. And our flesh, it likes the easy way. It likes the easy way. When we hold ourselves accountable, it means we are responsible, and with the responsibility comes the four-letter word, work. Blaming someone else is easier than working on ourselves. Working on ourselves is hard work. <laughs> working on ourselves, changing ourselves, and be, taking responsibility for that is hard. The second thing is, is blaming others is a defensive maneuver. We resist the notion we are responsible for the pain we have caused because to do so, we would have to heap more pain on ourselves. When we take responsibility for something we've done wrong, we take responsibility for the reason it may cost us something. And there's a, you know, a bought lesson is a, is a remembered lesson. But so many times in life, you know, when, when, we, when we, we, something goes wrong in our life, that defensive side of us comes up and it starts defending. It's not my fault. It's not this, not this, not this reason because that may cost me something. Or perhaps we do not think we could handle the consequences of our sin. So we try to push that, push that to someone else. We try to def defend it and deflect it to somewhere else. So rather than accepting responsibility, we pass it on to someone else. We don't, want to, we don't want to take the cost. Sometimes we've done things in our life and it may cost us some friends or it may cost us some popularity. But we need to take responsibility for our own actions. Have you ever realized if something is negative, we blame someone else? But when positive things happen in our life, or something, we get this promotion or we, get this, we do something great or we start getting accolades about something great, we're real quick to take responsibility for that. When it's negative, oh, we find someone to blame for that. But when, when it makes us look good, it makes, when it makes Everett look good. I'm the first one to say, hey, I did that. That's my abilities that caused me to do that. So we're, we're quick to, to throw the negative on someone else and, and receive the blessings and the accolades from every, the great things in life. The third thing is blaming others produce, protects our self-righteousness and it makes us feel important. When we blame others, it makes us feel as though we are still a good person. It doesn't matter what we've done wrong. If it's somebody else's fault, I'm still a good person. The other person is the bad person, not me. We think, well, as long as I can blame them, someone else, I'm, I'm still where I was at in society. I'm still, I'm still on the same high as I was because, I've, because I'm blaming someone else. The other person is the bad person. Admitting we, have, admitting we are responsible means we are no longer justified in our thoughts and our behaviors. You know, we try to justify everything. It doesn't matter what we've done wrong or what we've done in their life. We justify it. It's because so-and-so did that to me, so I just, if I did this to retaliation to that. Admitting our responsibilities. We may no longer say, I was right, they were wrong. The fourth thing is blaming others means we do not have to deal with confrontation. Sometimes when we've done someone else wrong, 
if we can pass that on to someone else or pass that. Uh, many people dislike confrontation, especially when we've done someone else wrong. Learning how and when to confront others requires embracing personal growth. And it is, it is previously noted, personal growth requires that four-letter word, work. Just blaming others is so much easier. It's so much easier to say, well, it's so-and-so's fault. Today, last of the, the reasons is when we blame someone else, we generate sympathy from others. Thereby reinforcing the belief that we are not to be blamed. Blaming others makes us feel good because we get sympathy from someone else. How oh, is this? Is, they're they're what they, the way they are because so and so did them this way. And we, we feel that sympathy. We feel that, get that sympathy vote, as we call it. And that's what, we, and that's what so many times we want this flesh to feel good. So we, whatever, if we can't deny what we did, we try to blame it for the reason why we did it on someone else and try to get sympathy for someone else. No doubt there are many reasons people blame others rather than these, these few I said. But today, but there's, these are just a few of the common reasons. But we must move forward because we cannot move forward if we are blaming others for our choices. We must note that there are some who have experienced pain, emotional, mental, and even physical abuse, which they did not cause. Today, some were children when things happened to them, things outside of their ability to stop. And, and, I've, and I've dealt with, and I know someone, and I've been around them enough to know a young lady that was abused when she was a child. And in her adulthood, she's an adult today. And because some of the abuse she was inquired when she was a child, it has influenced her life the rest of her life. Today, she's making choices because of that in her life. She's making choices that because of that that, that happened years ago. And, and, there's, and it was wrong and, that, and things in life. But, but sometimes in our life, you know, it, it makes us down a different career path. or It takes us down a different road in life. When things happen negative in our life and even when we're young and when we're developing, we have to be careful what we do and we have to be careful. But today, some were children when things happen to them outside of their abilities. But, but this is where we have to be careful. As adults, we cannot blame others for the reasons we are hurting others. Hurting ourselves or even sabotaging our own relationships. And I saw this with people that was hurt before by other people. And as they, as they, in life, as they got older, when they was at a beginning adult, they hurt the people the same way they were being hurt. They sabotaged their own relationships because of the things in their life. And they, they, they made choices because of that things in their life. The truth is hurt people hurt people. And, so many, and that's so true. It, to break that cycle, we must take responsibility for the decisions we make today. We can't do nothing about what happened yesterday. We can't do nothing about what, then, then, and it may have been wrong, and it, no, it was wrong. But there's nothing we can do about that today, but pray for them. But today, we can do what we can do is we can do about what decisions we make today. Taking responsibility for something. And self-blame are a horse of two different, entirely different colors. Taking responsibility is empowering. And 
self-blame or blaming someone else is paralyzing in our life. If we do not end the blame game, we stand to lose something, some things, some things that are very important to our life. And that is our fault when we lose things in our life. It's not someone else's. We can't blame someone else for the things we've lost in life because of the choices we've made. There are a few things that we might lose if we do not end the blame game. One whiz is we will lose healthy relationships. Blaming others is a form of putting others down in life. This destroys relationships. It does not build them up. It tears them down. Blaming others and healthy communications are contrary to, every, to each other. In order to, for relationships to thrive, they require healthy communication. Hence, blaming others, we must, it must go. It cannot remain. If we continue to blame others, we will lose our ability to achieve healthy relationships. And that is a thing in life. If we, we choose to blame people, we can, we'll lose our relationships with the people that we love, people that we care for. And if we're blaming our family, we'll lose relationships and, and tear down relationships of people that really, truly loves us. If we blame others, we will lose the ability to influence others positively. Trust is the foundation to healthy relationships, and healthy relationships are built on good communications. If we blame others for everything that happens in our life, we are resorting to the poorest of communication patterns, and it erodes its trust. I've known people in in the job that it doesn't matter what happens on, on the job, no matter what happens, it's someone else's fault. Something they were the only person on the job. It was so-and-so's fault. <laughs> it ain't my fault. Brother, Brother Kenny, probably somebody nailed the two before in the wrong place, but it wasn't my fault. Somebody else's fault. Blaming others is destructive. It destroys relationships between friends, between spouses, between parents, and even between children. Perhaps most importantly, when we blame others, we lose the power to change. Blaming others renders us powerless. That is what happened to Adam. Because he failed to take responsibility for what he had done, he lost the power to change. He said it was Eve's fault. And if it was Eve's fault, then Adam held no responsibility or no power to do anything about it. He didn't feel no conviction over what he had done. Because it wasn't his fault. And that's how we are in life. When we blame someone else for what, what, our sin in our life, or we blame a family member, we blame anyone in life. When we blame someone else, we don't feel the conviction of the sin we've done. So there's nothing we can do about it. We don't, we don't repent because we didn't do nothing wrong. We was just reacting to what was done in our life. Considering all we lose when we blame others, why do we continue to blame people? Ultimately, blaming others is about a diversion. And we live in a world of diversions. It is about diverting attention away from what we have done. And that is why Adam blamed Eve. He was embarrassed of what he had done. He had disobeyed God and he was embarrassed. He felt, he felt the guilt. So he sought a place. He, he sought to place the attention on Eve rather than on himself. And I see, we see this in our world today, many times in our world today. When someone does something wrong, 
they don't receive they don't they don't receive that responsibility of that or they don't take on that responsibility they want to they want to shed the light on someone else and get everybody looking over here at someone else doing wrong and they want to see somebody else what the, hey this so and so is doing this over here trying to get the light off of them in their life and so that's what happens when we when we blame someone else is we diverting what we've done getting everybody else to looking at what someone else has done we do not want the attention on ourselves we do not want to take responsibility for our own failures or our own shortcomings or our own issues. Blaming others divert attention away from us and helps us to avoid that responsibility of our sins. But by making everyone else responsible, we become powerless. If everyone else is at fault, we do not bear any responsibility for what we did. And then we do not have the power to change anything. We, we become powerless. We Instead, we blame others. What if we acknowledge, if, what, if, what if today, we just think about this question, what if we acknowledge what we have done in life? When, then we go to God and say, Lord, I am making a mess of my life. I am making a mess of my life. And when then we go to, then I have been, I have been, I have been wrong in how I have treated others and how I have acted in my life. My thoughts have been all, all, my thoughts have not been all what they should be. We ask, Lord, to please forgive us. Please help me change my life. Do you, today we get the point, when we take on the responsibility, then we can do something about the, what we've done in life. When we take on responsibility for our sins, then we can repent of our sins. But until we take responsibility of it, we're not going to be able to repent. We're not truly repenting until we take responsibilities. When we blame others, we lose that ability to change. By refusing to blame others, we take the first step. By refusing to blame others for what we've done, we take the first step of growth. God has promised to help us if we will stop blaming others. Today I want to read in Ezekiel 14 and 12. The Bible says, The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then I will stretch out my hand upon it, and I will break the staff of bread thereof, and I will send famine into it, and I will cut off man and beast from it. Verse 14 says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. What Ezekiel is saying here in Ezekiel, he's saying if the, if, the, if the land sinneth and trespasseth, I will send destruction. And he says, and then he goes on to say in verse 14, he says, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job, and we know these three men are noble men. We know these men are, these, these three men are, are men of what they stood for. And they knew they had a relationship with God. The Bible says here in Ezekiel, says if these three men were there, they could not save no one else but themselves. They must, we must take responsibility of our own actions. It's what the scripture is saying. They, they cannot, they would not be able to save us. Today, just like our parents, we're not, they're not responsible for, for what, our wrong in our life. Our parents can't save us. And so today we have to take responsibility for our own life. But not even these three righteous men 
could save, stay God's judgment by their righteousness of the sins of Judah. We will have to receive judgment for our, for our own sin. Doesn't matter where we go in life. We don't matter how what we've done in life. We will have to receive. We will have to stand on judgment day for what I done, not for what each one had done, not for what my children done, or not for for what my parents did. I have to stand on judgment that day for what I sin, my sins. Ezekiel chapter eighteen and verse one says, "The word of the Lord came again unto me again, saying, What mean mean ye?" that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eating sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the souls of the Father, so also is the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Drop down to verse 20 of the same chapter. The Bible says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And the son, that shall, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Today, our responsibility is on ourselves. It doesn't matter what we face today. It doesn't matter what we do in life. We can't blame our parents. We can't blame our grandparents. We can't blame, as, as Brother Allen said, we can't blame our, our heritage. We have to take that responsibility on ourselves because we're the ones that's going to stand on judgment that day and God's going to, not, going to say, well, your father did this or your mother did this or your grandparents was this in their life. When he stands on judgment day, he's going to open that page up and it's going to say, my name's going to be there, your name's going to be there. And it's going to be what we did, not what everyone else did to us. It's going to be what, what choices I made in, during that day and what choices I made and what I did about the decisions that was in my life. So today, as, we, as I begin to close, I ask us today, we've got to, we've got to quit passing the book. We've got to quit, quit blaming everyone else for why we are where we're at and why we're not the Christian we need to be or why we're not this or not that. So I've heard people say before in life, and it's not when somebody here, but today I've heard people say, my parents weren't worshipers. Or my this or wasn't that. And, and, and so I'm not that. I'm not a prayer warrior because my parents was not prayer warriors. That's stuff that's taught and that should be taught. And that, is, that does have an influence in our life. But we can make a choice today. And as this service today, I bring this today. We don't matter what everyone else done. We have to make a choice for ourselves today. And what we're going to do from this point going forward, we can't even do nothing about what we did in the past. We can't go back and change one thing, but today we can go forward. And as we make choices, we'll stop the blame game. We'll stop going backwards in life, and we'll go forward today. As I close today, I just want to leave you with that thought. It's not your family's fault. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.